before them an open door. Amen. And, and the key words is not open door, but set before. Please hear what I'm saying. The key word is an open door. We get excited about the open door, but we miss the fact that it's set before. In other words, in order for me to enter into it, I got to move from where I am. I'm not going to give you an open door where you are. I have set before you an open door that's going to demand you to move forward. God Almighty, please hear what I'm saying. Hey, but listen to what I'm saying. There is an open door that is set before you, but you will not enter it where you are. Where you are in mindset, you will not enter it. Where you currently are in perspective, you will not enter it. Where you currently are in passion, you will not enter it. It has been set before you, but you will not enter it where you are. It demands for us to move forward. He has set before us an open door, and it will never be shut. Listen to me. It's not like you're going to, it's a window. This is not, this open door is not a window of opportunity. Please hear what I'm saying. In other words, if you don't do it in the next seven days, it ain't like it's going to shut. No man can shut it. The problem is no man can move you. The problem isn't the fact that you only have a window of opportunity. The problem is we're too used to remaining stuck or running in place. We got to get off treadmills and get back on trails. Amen. We're running, but we're not moving because we're stuck on treadmills and God is calling us to trails. Amen. He set before us an open door. Where we are right now, you will not enter that open. I'm demanding you to move forward in your attitude. I'm demanding you for you to move forward in your perspective. I'm demanding you to move forward on how you hear the word. I've set before you an open door, and no man can shut it. It will be, it will be an indictment and a shame for us to never enter into the door. So when we talk to Jesus and God gave us a lifetime, but we, re- we gave so many more excuses to stuck than we did to the power of God to move us forward. Amen? Amen? The word of the Lord to this house is I've set before you an open door. Before you. If you could enter it where you were, it wouldn't be before you. What I'm saying is habits have to change. What are your daily habits? You work, you come home, you eat, and you sleep, watch TV and sleep. You're not going to enter the door like that. Listen, you got to move forward. Listen to me. Listen to me closely. What you've been doing on the weekend ain't going to cut it. You won't enter the door. The door is before you, but it demands a shift in how we now do life, period. How we do life, the word of the Lord is, I've set before you an open door. How many of you want to enter into the open door? How many are waiting for the opening that God has given you? Glory be to I know I want what God has given me. I want to enter into what's open. But you can be stuck so long that open no longer excites you. Because at the end of the day, we really don't plan on moving anyway. There's some of us that have settled and said, I ain't moving. So now the kingdom is no longer about advancement. For me, it's just about coping. Teach me how to cope with the fact that I'm going to be like this the rest of my life. But that's not the kingdom. He sets me. I have given you the key of David. And I have set before you an open door. And I'm here to tell you right now, all you have to do is start taking steps forward. All you have to do is just make up in your mind the way I'm doing life isn't the way God has defined for me to do life. All I have to do is come out from among them and begin to be separate for real. And I can begin to enter into the open door. It's amazing to me that he doesn't name what that door opens us to. Because I believe that it opens us up into a place called eyes have not seen. Nor ear heard. Neither into the heart of men. Amen. We must begin to behave as sons and stop now the tendencies of slaves. Sons create. Slaves just follow what's created. 
Slaves, just whatever the world has created, I jump in the hoop and I follow it. Sons refuse to follow what's, cre- what's already been created. Sons create. Amen. Sons create the realities of heaven on earth. Sons now cut down bushes and trees and makes, make room for the presence of God on earth as it is in heaven. Sons violate status quo. Amen. Sons say yes to being a mystery, an anomaly, and, and a conundrum to the world around them. Amen. Sons refuse to now align with a culture that does not represent the culture of the kingdom. Amen. He set before us an open door, but who we are in this state will not enter into that unless we're saying we're willing to say yes to moving forward. It's before us. Handaba. Come on, it's before us. It's before us. It's not where we are. It's before us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to go back to Romans, the eighth chapter. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I want to go back to Romans, the eighth chapter, and I'm going to I want to start reading. I'm still dealing with the law of life and I'm dealing with um, new life. And I'm I'm dealing with the uh, moving out of the law of Moses into the law of life. We dealt with on Sunday the 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 laws that the fact that all life is governed by laws and that until we're saved. We're one person governed by different laws created for people of two different natures. With our mind, with the law of our mind, we can serve Christ and say it is right for us not to lie. But with the body, we're under a law that will still bring us into a lie. With our mind, we agree with the law of God. But with our body, we'll still do what we disagree with. So we're under two laws. We're one person under two laws. That's like being an Uh, trying to live in North Korea under the laws of the United States. If I try to live in North Korea, which is a regime, under the laws of the United States, which is a democracy, I'm going to break their laws. Amen? Naturally. Right? I'm going to break my own laws because I'm trying to live under two laws. That is the condition of the man or woman of God that is not born again. They'll agree with God's word, but then with their mind, but yet and still continuously disagree with God's word with their actions. Amen? I'll know what's right, but I'll continue to do what's wrong because now I've been born of the flesh. The only means of escape is being born of the spirit. Amen? You You know Abraham had two sets of children. He had children of the flesh by Ishmael, and children of the spirit, which represented by Isaac. Amen? Amen. But both of their father was Abraham. Mm-hmm. Come on, church. It speaks of those who are born of the flesh and those who are born of the spirit, both stimulated by God. Right. But one of them is not redeemed. Amen? One of them is not redeemed. And I want to deal with that some more because there's some things that we have to come out of so we can now enter into this open door. In other words, what I'm trying to tell you is um, being a spiritual father does not mean, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Being father doesn't mean being babysitted. It's not when a father fathers your spirit. So you got to have it. If there is no if there is no expression of spirit, then I enter back into Moses and I'm disciplining flesh. How can I be a spiritual father that's always trying to deal with somebody's flesh? Amen. We don't father flesh. We don't father flesh. So now those days have to be over where we stop equating sinful actions to sons of God. Because if I do, I'll wind up babysitting flesh, and I will neglect the Isaac that actually has the spirit. Right. 
So the Isaacs get neglected because I'm trying to father a flesh that will never submit. We are not, spiritual fathers do not father flesh. I'm not going to be there every time you mess up. That's not what I'm called to do. I'm called to further you and father you into more and deeper relationship with the father. Amen? Not babysit. I want a Moses, but the problem is I can't be a Moses because that means I can't enter the promise. I ain't called to be a Moses. Amen? I'm called to be a Yeshua. You know his name is Yeshua, Joshua. Amen? He speaks of that which comes after the law. After Moses was Yeshua, Joshua. He brought them into the promise, that which comes after the law. Amen? The law of life. And so, so, so let's go here. Romans chapter 8. And I'm just talking, but, but, but I will get to this. Romans chapter 8, verse number 14. Look at what it says. Very, very familiar. It says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God. Listen to me. They are what? The, those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Verse 15, for you have not received the spirit of bondage again to what? Fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Very, very key. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Right? And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so, be that we suffer with him that we may be also glorified. What? For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. Father, we thank you and we bless you right now. That you speak and you speak clearly in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. You know why a lot of, it, it feels like it's a little bit stiffer than here than normal. You, you know why it does? Because you didn't sit where you wanted to sit. And moving up made you uncomfortable, but it's actually the demand right now. See, you know what? That's why we're fighting right now. That's why it's kind of uncomfortable because you got to get close to people. You, you plan to sit off by yourself. You had to come up further. You wanted to stay in the back. And so now all that's happening is God is telling you, I've set before you an open door. And I'm, I didn't say I set before you comfort. I didn't say I set before you where you want to sit. I set before you something. And I'm going to put, make you move up and get comfortable with uncomfortable. No, this ain't a hard, this ain't a hard atmosphere. This is just an atmosphere where we ain't have our way. And as small as it is, it messes us up. Just moving up messes folk up. But I'm here to tell you right now, in this church, you're going to move up. God has set before us an open door. I just want to sit where I want to sit. It don't work in this season. You sat there long enough. Hallelujah. Don't move up based off of comfort. Move up based off of instruction. This is a season where you listen to instruction over your instinct because your instinct has kept you stuck. So now you got to listen to somebody who now tells you to do something completely against what you want to do so you can actually enter into what you really want that you don't know how to get into. You actually really want to move up. Watch this. I'm going to share this. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 15. I want to go back there, and I want to deal with, first of all, fear. I want to deal with fear because much, believe it or not, much of the hindrance that started in the atmosphere is because people fear. People fear sitting next to people, as crazy as that sound, right? People fear moving up, not being where they want to be, as crazy as that sound, right? That's fearful to people, right? 
So we got to deal with fear because there's before us an open door. Amen. We got to deal. You'd be surprised how many things we fear that we have now functioned in for so long. We don't even recognize it as fear anymore. Amen. It's just the way that I am. No, it's because you you live in fear. That's not the way you are. That's the way fear made you. Amen. Now, look at this. So I'm going to deal a little bit about that and I'm going to keep on moving. Romans chapter eight, verse 15. For you have not for you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. But but means instead. All right. But instead, watch this. You have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Amen. So number one, what I need to point out is fear is a spirit that we experience deliverance from through receiving another spirit. The spirit of adoption. Um, um, There is no freedom from fear, the spirit of fear, without receiving the spirit of adoption. In other words, what I'm trying to say first and foremost, based off of that scripture, fear doesn't just leave. um, The spirit of adoption must fully come. Until we are now operating under the full measure of adoption, fear has all the right in the world to stay where it is. It doesn't leave until another spirit it comes and until that spirit comes we can bind fear we can pray God to free us from fear but at the end of the day our lives will be choreographed around what we fear amen fear is a spirit that will only listen to and submit to one other spirit and that is the spirit of adoption glory be to God which is now the spirit of the son of God which now when we receive we become the sons of God whatever you fear you're in bondage to for you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear do you fear cheating on your wife If you do, you're going to cheat on your wife. Your fear is an indication of your bondage. What? Do you fear going back into that sin? Then you're still going to go back into that sin. Your fear is always connected to your... Do you fear going to hell? Are you trying to use that as motivation? I guarantee you the people that fear hell more than they fear God... God never told us to fear going to hell. He told us to fear God. He just said, don't fear him. Oh, God Almighty. Fear God. If we fear going to hell, most of the people that fear hell, and matter of fact, I would say 100% of the people who are trying to be motivated to walk with God through the fear of hell are actually going to hell because the fear of hell cannot fuel the life of God. Sons don't walk around running from fire. Sons walk around trying to get lit on fire. It now changes everything. It's two different motivations. Two different motivations. So, so, so now what we got to understand is, is that the object when dealing with fear, and I, I'll deal with this first, isn't so much to get fear to leave as much as it is getting the spirit of God to come. Our responsibility, me and your responsibility, isn't to fight fear, but more so to reject fear. We don't fight fear. We reject fear. Fear can only function when it is accepted. Amen? For you have not received the spirit of of fear again unto bondage. Fear is never forced on us. Fear is offered to us and only functions to the degree we accept fear's offer. Fear never just jumps on you. Fear is offered. Here, you want this? Yeah. I don't want that. No, no. No. And we take it. Although the only reason why he's fighting with fear to stand in front of people is because he accepted the offer. The only reason why he's fighting with fear that he's going to marry the wrong person is because he now accepted the offer. The only reason why he fears snakes is because he accepted the offer. The only reason why he fears being broke is because he accepted the offer. The only reason why he fears getting fired is because he accepted the offer. Fear can only now function when it is received. For we have not received. The spirit of what? Fear. 
So fear isn't something we fight. Fear is something we reject. Amen? Whatever we fear in life is due to us accepting the spirit of fear's offer to fear whatever it is we say we fear. Now listen to this. I'm going to go back to this because I believe it's important. If we fear snakes, how many of you think you have a legitimate reason to fear snakes? And most of you that fear snakes got a very legitimate reason. But guess who gave you that reason? Fear. The spirit of fear gave you a very legitimate reason to act like you ain't got no sense when you see a snake. Ah! Get it, get it, get it, get it, kill it, kill it. Don't let me see it. Oh, my God. Oh, it's in the house. It's in the ground. I'm moving. I ain't never coming back. Right? Because what? I took the offer. I fear. I'm going to say it because I took the offer. I have a fear of snakes. So every time I see snakes, there's terror that strikes in my heart. I feel like I might lose my life. I lose my breath. My heart starts beating fast. My palms start sweating. Why? Because my initial reaction to snakes was my heart start beating fast, my palms got sweaty, and I felt like my life was in danger. And now, when I had that initial reaction, now fear came to offer that reaction as my continuous reality. You fear snakes based off of your initial reaction to them. So now what fear does is, is come in and tell you your initial reaction is the reality for the rest of your life. Even if the first time I saw snakes and they made me jump, I now then have to decide, am I going to accept the offer? The offer is going to be, I fear snakes because I jump back because my heart start beating. But I got to say this. No, I nay in all things. I've, I am more than a conqueror. I got to take the fear that's been offered by the reaction and say, although I reacted that way that time, I do not fear snakes. I'm giving that fear back. So the next time that I see snakes, I won't react the same way that I did because I didn't accept the offer off of the initial reaction. I don't care if my heart start beating fast. I don't fear snakes. I don't care if my palms got sweaty. I don't fear snakes. I don't care if I felt like my life was in danger. I don't fear snakes. Because what the enemy, what fear tries to do is use the initial reaction to tell us that's our lifelong reality. So every time we run across that thing, we're just reliving the first reaction. We're stuck. All you're doing is repeating your initial reaction and actually thinking. Wow. I know I wouldn't get many amens on that one. All we're doing is repeating what happened in 1995 and it's 2019. Right? You, we have no legitimate reason to be scared of snakes. We have no legitimate reason to be scared of car accidents. We have no legitimate reason to be scared of losing our house. Fear isn't forced on us. Fear is offered to us and only functions to the degree we accept it. This is so key. And I'm walking and I'm going to get into something without receiving the spirit of adoption, we have no power to reject fear when fear is offered. I'm going to say that again. Without receiving the spirit of adoption, we have no power to reject fear when it's offered. Every time fear is offered, we receive it by way of agreeing with it and entertaining its suggestions based on our reactions. So the first time I spoke in front of people, I got real nervous right before I got up. Amen. I began to sweat. I begin now to get nervous. So guess what? I got a fear 
of speaking in front of people. I accepted the offer, so guess what fear gets to do every time I have to stand before people? It has the right to make me sweat. It has the right to get me get butterflies. Why? Because now I accepted this offer to fear standing before people. And so there are some people called to stand before people that are running away from their destiny, not because they fear people. That couldn't be my calling because I don't feel comfortable talking in front of people. That's a lie from the pits of hell. If, if that's your reason why you don't talk in front of people you have allowed fear to bring you into its likeness more than the likeness of God that probably is your calling your calling is to stand before people because you get nervous when you go in public illegitimately amen and so now look at what it says Romans chapter 8, verse 15. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to what? Fear. But instead you have received the spirit of adoption. Either the spirit of fear or the spirit of adoption. It's never the spirit of fear and the spirit of adoption. Listen to me closely. Either the spirit of fear or the spirit of adoption. It's never the spirit of fear and the spirit of adoption. When one comes, the other cannot be present. To the measure the spirit of adoption has come, to that measure the spirit of fear cannot be present. We cannot be fearful and sons at the same time. The spirit of a son will never receive from a spirit of fear. I can, as a son, sons never receive from the spirit of fear now. So anytime fear is functioning it's because fear has been received and anytime fear has been received either we have not received the fullness of adoption or we have been adopted and not function in the spirit that we have it's either one or the other but either what either it's one thing or the other either we're not acting like sons or we're not sons anytime we're in fear right. it's one or the other either we're not acting like the son we are or we're not sons at all every time every time Amen? Amen. Every time. We do not teach our children fear. Amen. Amen? We do not teach them it's okay to fear anything. Right. Amen? That, you ain't acting like a son. Thank you. Amen? Amen? So, sons don't fear. Everybody say that. Sons don't fear. Sons don't fear. Amen? Daughters don't fear. Daughters don't fear. It's not okay to be a son in fear. That's not okay. You're a son, act like it. Amen. Amen? Amen? That don't mean we don't never get the fight or flight instinct. When something happens, our heart does start beating fast. Amen? And then our senses are awakened, and we're quickened to move fast. That's just a built-in mechanism to now deal with an issue. That doesn't necessarily mean I fear it. That's just making me prepared for the moment. Right. By instinct. Amen? Amen? And so, so... Either we're sons or we're in fear, but we're not sons that fear. Either we're sons or we're in fear, but we're not sons that fear. Romans 8, 15, listen to what it says. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to what? Fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption. I want to start dealing with the spirit of adoption. Whereby we cry, Abba, Father. You have not received the spirit of fear, but what makes the spirit of fear go is the spirit of adoption. The spirit of adoption, and I want to deal with this, is the means by which we cry out Abba. We cry out Abba. We cry out of ourselves unto God. It is a spirit now that provokes us to outward adoration. See, the, the, the spirit of adoption is a spirit of provocation. It now begins to provoke us within ourselves to begin to cry out unto God, Father, glorified Father, wonderful Father, mighty Father, blessed Father, good Father. See, when you see people crying out like that, it's not always because they said they're going to cry out like that. But the spirit of adoption has begun to provoke in them. The, the spirit of adoption is a spirit of provocation that begins to provoke in them an outward adoration. See, when this now spirit begins to operate in you, you don't sit and hum. Come on. 
When this spirit begins to operate in you, you don't meditate. You don't sit there with your eyes closed, shaking your head. This spirit of adoption, when it begins to function, makes us outwardly begin to audibly cry out unto God as our father. It instigates outward adoration. You know, I just ain't one to praise out loud. Well, you ain't a child of God then. You, you can't be adopted because you can't be adopted without opening your mouth. Listen to what I'm saying. I'm just a quiet person. Well, you can't be adopted. Because the, uh, the, I know we go through the course to be adopted in the natural, but we go through a cry to be adopted in the spirit. Amen. And so now the spirit, listen to this, the spirit stirs us up into dimensions of adoration that function as a means of adoption. Outward adoration, the spirit begins to instigate and stir and provoke and to push in us into outward adoration that functions as a means of adoption. Adoption takes place by way of outward adoration through the instigation or the provocation of the Holy Spirit. So, so now the way the spirit of adoption stirs us to adore him outwardly, we have permission to enter in as identity so now as the please hear what I'm saying because I'm talking about adoption and the spirit of adoption the outward adoration see what happens is the spirit of provocation I'm gonna call it the spirit of provocation amen begins to stir in us an outward adoration of father you're holy uh, father you're holy. and I'm not just saying that as now going through the motions but the spirit of provocation has stirred something in me to begin to adore God out outwardly and audibly for his holiness and that becomes a means of adoption where I myself become holy like the one I'm adoring as holy because I'm adopted by way of adoration see the outward ad adoration father there is nobody like you there are times where we just say that but there are other times where the spirit instigates that he instigates in us uh, the, the feeling to begin to call out to God about the fact that he's like nobody else and as I adore him he adopts me so now what happens is the adoration that was stirred by provocation begins to adopt me and make me like nobody around me I begin to be like nobody else as I outwardly adore the God that's like nobody else because through adoration I'm being adopted Let me help you understand something about a father. A father does not father his son's actions. A father fathers his son's DNA. A real father does not correct your behavior. A real father gives you his nature. In other words, what I'm trying to say is if I'm JC's daddy, he has my what? DNA. When I'm saying Abba Father and I'm adoring him, that is a completely different type of adoration. That is an adoration that's claiming his DNA is my DNA. When I'm saying Abba Father, I'm not saying God deliver me. I'm saying God, I'm a deliverer like you. I'm not saying God change me. I'm saying I'm a changer like you. You're my daddy. I have your DNA. And the spirit of God begins to stir in me. And now he fathers me as I adore him not as my God, not as Jehovah Jireh, not as Jehovah Raphael, not as Jehovah Sikhanu but this is daddy the reason why we look so li little like God is because we do so little adoring we'll spend all day praying for God to give us a breakthrough but that can't make you look like God We'll spend all day asking for God to change it. But that doesn't make us look anything like the daddy that God has now given us the promise that he is. Proclamation can't do it. Declaration can't do it. Intercession can't do it. Only adoration. Only Abba. I father JC's DNA. 
I now know he's all right because he's my son. He's my son and I'm saved. I do not have to make him pray. He don't know it, but he's a man of prayer. Because I've already fathered your DNA. You don't know you're a preacher. I do not have to tell, make you preach. Guess what? There's just going to come a moment. There's going to come a time that daddy's DNA that's on you will begin to manifest and you will begin to get full, feel a pull to preach, not because I'm making you preach, but because you recognize daddy is in me. A lot of people don't get it twisted. I, a lot of people look at my son and say he has so much pressure to be like his daddy, and I just feel so sorry for him. And people always comparing him to his daddy, so forth and so on. Man, he has all his daddy in him. He don't have to work for it. It just kicks in. A real father, I father your nature, not your actions. So now I enter into the nature of God so I can give them the nature of God. I don't have to father you after you get somebody pregnant. I'll give you a nature where you won't sleep with a woman you, you ain't married to. A real father does not father their actions. A real father gives them his nature. Job's problem was his children wasn't like him. That's why he had to pray for them not to curse God to his face. What was Satan's temptation to Job? I bet you he'll curse you to his face. He'll curse you, God, to your face. Did Job ever curse God to his face? No. But at the beginning of the book, he was praying that his children wouldn't curse. Because his children didn't look like him, that's why they had to die. Why would I pray for my children not to do what I would never do unless they ain't got my nature? That's a whole nother message. Watch this. So, so, so now, what we got to understand is whereby we cry, whereby we cry. This is the spirit that makes us do something audible. Whereby, not, not we just make a sound, not we just clap when everybody comes. Whereby we cry, Abba. We cry out his nature. We cry out who he is in relation to us. His righteousness cried out. God, you're so righteous. And it was instigated. His peace cried out. God, your, your, your peace surpasses all understanding. And what's cried out of us is what we get to enter into as our, as our identity. Or our crying out becomes the access point from which we receive identity. The reason why the Spirit of God gets us to cry out, Abba, is because he's ready to make us sons. And so now as we now claim his identity as Abba, we enter into that characteristic as sons. So, so God does not adopt us like the world adopts us. Please hear me. That's the reason why many of us aren't experiencing dimensions of adoption like we should. We actually think God adopts us like man adopts us. When man adopts us, he takes us into his house, but we still look like the mom and dad of the house that we came out of. But when the father adopts us, he adopts us by way of transforming us into the self-same image of his son Jesus. We're as adopted as we are like Jesus. How much are you like Jesus? That's how much you're adopted. How much are you not like Jesus? That's how much you're not adopted. We're not adopted. He doesn't just bring us in the house. He adopts us by making us look like him. His only begotten son. Amen. So this is what we got to understand. Amen. Because we are now ad as adopted as we are like him. We as now are as adopted as we have his peace. We are as adopted as we have his hope. We are as, as adopted as we are committed to the father's will as he is. We are as adopted as we walk in victory as he does. That's the measure of adoption. Amen. Many in the church aren't experiencing adoption because um, too many times what we do is we quench the necessary stirring of adoration. 
We don't understand adoration's function in us experiencing adoption. We now quench the spirit when it begins to provoke or bring us into provocation. You know why we do that? You know why there's times you're sitting there and you feel like exploding in worship, but you hold it in? You know why there's sometimes you feel like jumping up and running at a time? Ain't nobody running. You know why there's times where you feel like standing up and shouting? Amen. And what do we do? We subdue it. What do we do? We pull it in we censor it we restrain it we hold it back because we didn't recognize this is the moment of adoption that if we would not restrain that that we would enter into a measure of likeness out of letting that go whereby we cry out there was something that was going to happen to you if you would have listened to that provocation and actually cried out when you were provoked to it might be while I'm preaching you stand up and begin shouting it might be at the store you lift your hands in the aisle there are times where the spirit of God will come in and begin to provoke you because he's ready to adopt you and what we do is we restrain it we censor it we hold it back out of fear out of fear we fear what man will say about us we fear how we will look we fear how out of place it is we fear that people will say we're fake because we're gonna act something like we ain't never act before we fear oh glory be to God we fear looking stupid God will do it while we're by ourselves. anybody ever been by yourself and God provoked you to do something and you felt uncomfortable by yourself you actually so fear that you're you fear to do it and ain't nobody around Every time we censor that provocation, every time we subdue that stirring, we are bypassing adoption. There is a measure of adoption we're not walking in. There's a measure of Christ-likeness we're not living in. There's a measure of victory we're not now um, walking in simply because we didn't recognize the moment of adoption. As when... The spirit of adoption comes in and begins to provoke us to sing at an inconvenient time. It begins to instigate us to dance to God at an uncomfortable moment. That tells us to begin shouting at a time that looks like it's out of place. And the only thing that holds that, because the realest thing we got that's going on inside, that's the realest thing, the only thing that keeps us back of man. How many adoption moments have we missed right here in these pews? Because you worried about what somebody going to say about you because they know what you did last week. And God wants to adopt you in their face because although they didn't do what you did, they still ain't no further than what they were when you As the spirit of the Lord begins the ministry of instigating within us a cry, as we let that cry being instigated in us out, we experience dimensions of adoption. Right? We come out on the other side of the adoration more adopted than we were before we let it out. We operate in more of God's peace than we did before we let it out. We operate in more of God's victory than we did before we let it out. But if we experience that provocation and we muffle it, if we now put a cork on it and say not now because I don't want to make a scene, I mean not now because we actually now forfeit our own transformation. We've been asking for change and God stirs in us an adoration and we don't recognize the adoration as the means of the change and we wind up still where we are asking God why you ain't changed me yet. Amen. You know what the danger in quenching the spirit of adoption is? You know what the danger is, Akeem? God tells me to lift my hands and I don't. 
if not tells me by voice, but tells me by heart unction. There's something in me, amen, because you know what happens when we do that? You know what happens when we now say yes to those provocations and why we don't like it? Because whatever we burst out into is uncontrollable. And we don't want to be like that in front of people. See, when God is, you don't control it when you now, when God instigates it. There are times of provocation that now if you don't, if you just say, I'm going to be free to let this thing out, whatever happens is uncontrollable. That's when you begin to run down the office. Ah! That's when you begin to fall over the pews. That's when you begin to roll around. That's when you begin to now jump and now you don't have no rhythm. You sound terrible. You're screaming. You look like a fool. You're making a scene. And now, now, but what you don't understand is you got 25 people looking at you saying, "Uh uh-uh, I don't want to look like that. And you don't understand that woman being adopted. You don't understand that man is being adopted. You don't understand that man is being transformed. It may be foolish to you. But the only reason why you won't do it is because you judged them when they did. And you stop judging folks when you don't understand how God operates. They're being transformed and you laughed at them. So now when you feel the unction, you subdue it because you don't want folk to laugh at you. But if you. You up there talking about folk in church that are being born again. And then when your time comes, you're worried about what folks are saying because you sat back there and laughed. You could have been changed. You could have been transformed. You can laugh at me all you want. I'm going to wave my hands. You can laugh at me all you want. I'm going to run up and down this altar. You can laugh at me all you want. I'm going to dance like a fool before God. And while you're looking, judging me, God is promoting me. God is changing me. God is filling me. God is favoring me. God is moving in me. I'm not the man I used to be. I've been adopted. I'm not the pastor I used to be. I've been adopted. You laugh, but I was being transformed. And now your laugh is keeping you stuck. But I'm here to tell you right now. If you're going to be adopted, you better know you're going to be laughed at. God ain't going to let you keep your cool and be adopted. He ain't going to let you keep your reputation as you know it and be adopted. When, when you yield to the provocation, you can't control what comes out. Whatever comes out just begins to go. That's how you hear. That 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 that. When I hear that sound, the reason why it shifts the atmosphere, because you're not just hearing the sound of somebody that got excited. You're hearing the sound of adoption. Somebody is being transformed into the image of the living God. When I see somebody run that never ran, I know when they finish running, the one that started running ain't going to be the one that finished running. God is adopting them. I don't care if I sound stupid to you. Hallelujah. I don't care if I look crazy. I don't care if you know about my sin. I don't care if you know about my mistakes. There's something in me telling me to scream. There's something in me telling me to shout. There's something in me that telling me that God loves me and I'm going to let it out. My God, I feel a provoking. 
Kande. Kando bo. Reban sandi derebos sanda reba kande ba komandi dereboshi renanda ba kande dereboshi. I want to wake you up today. Don't you dare! I don't care how small the unction is. If there's an unction to clap, my God, clap, and your clap will turn into an adoption. If there's an unction to stand up, stand up, and your standing up will turn into an adoption. If there's an unction in you to shout, shout, and your shout will turn into an adoption. We cry, Abba, by which. tell you something. Ona dara mansana ya makondiana. Remandie dere boshiana nama. Don't you worry about the Pharisees. Don't worry about people. If if see, this is the danger in all of this. This this is the danger in all of this. You know what the danger in all of it? No, 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 no. Don't get it twisted. Pastor didn't become pastor. I didn't study my way into this version of me. I got adopted into this version of me. I didn't I didn't learn the, my way into this version of me. I cried out, my God. I felt the spirit of God when everything around me was falling apart. Say, lift me up. Bless me as your daddy. Love me like you never loved me. And in the midst of everything falling apart, God began to adopt me. I know it to be true. Pastor has changed. No, pastor got adopted. Again. There's more than one adoption. If you judge when people are being adopted, God will disqualify you. Say not who shall descend to the deep. That's to bring Christ up from the dead. Say not who shall ascend to heaven. You don't know what's happening when they're hollering. You're not fit to make that judgment. Another man. Come on, another man. The most powerful times of adoption are the times you call him daddy when you act like everything but a son. That's when you really feel that provoking because God wants you to know your sin ain't bad enough for me to not claim you as my son. It don't matter where you've been. It don't matter what you said. It don't matter where you went. It don't matter what you did. Abba, Father, when you cry out in that condition, that's when the glory comes. Oh, da 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 man, da 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 da
I'm releasing the spirit of adoption over this house, saith the Lord God right now in the name of Jesus. I'm releasing a grace right now. I'm releasing an adoration. I'm restoring stuff that ain't been stirred in a while. I'm reminding you that I'm not done with you. I'm re-now sensitizing your desire for worship. I'm re-stimulating your heart for me. Come on, let the spirit of adoption come in again. Come on, let the spirit Come on, come on, come on. Let the spirit of adoption come in again. Come on, I take the hardness from around your heart. I release grace to cry like you want to cry. Come on, you want to let this thing loose for God. Come on, and he wants you to know I'm still your daddy. I don't care what you did, I'm still daddy. I don't care where you went, I'm still daddy. I don't care what you want, I'm still daddy. I want to remind you that you can cry. Abba, I want to remind you that I still claim you as my son. I still claim you as my daughter. You are mine. You can cry out. Don't you fear man. Don't you fear judgment. Cry out. Don't you fear what people will say. Cry out. If it's not you, it is you. Cry out. Don't you fear the fact that you never acted like this. Cry out. Hey. 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 You can cry out. It's okay. My pert, my blood paid for it. It's okay. You can cry out. The blood testifies. The blood testifies that you can cry out that the debt has been paid. You don't have to hold it in any longer to feel like you have now paid the price for what you've done. The sentence has been paid. The price has been paid. You can cry out unto me. I will adopt you. I still want you. I will take you. I will make you. I will mold you. I will call you. I will send you. I will love you. I will build you. I will raise you. I will make you live. You're mine.
The spirit of adoption is coming to agitate a stir and a cry. Come on, he's coming in right now to open up a well that's been stopped up by disappointment and stopped up by mistake and stopped up by sin. Come on, the spirit of adoption is coming to open up a well in your belly to instigate a cry. Come on. Oh, oh. Oh, 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 come on, let him instigate a cry. Let him provoke you. Come on, by which, come on, by which, there, there's a touch, there's a, a, by which we cry. Come on, there is a move by which we cry. Come on, there is a work of the Spirit by which we cry. Come on, there is a move of God by which we cry. Come on, there is a move of God that brings us into a stirring to adore our Father, Abba Father. By which we cry. Hey. Come on. Come on, let them stir up a cry in you. Don't, don't, don't. I'm, I'm telling you right now, don't miss this moment. The spirit of adoption is coming in to reawaken stuff that's been put to sleep. Listen, and listen to me closely. If we continue to suppress provocation, if we continue to suppress provocation, if the spirit comes to stir us up, and we subdue it over and over and over again. Eventually, during times of a move, we will feel no inward provocation. It is dangerous to subdue provocation because it gets to a place where God will no longer provoke you. The stuff you used to feel when God came in, you won't feel no more. The stuff that used to happen when God came in, it won't happen in you no more. That is not where God has called you. But I now resurrect the grace to be provoked. I resurrect and stimulate in you a grace to be provoked again by the move of his spirit. To feel what you felt when you cried. To feel what you felt when you needed to come to the altar. To feel what you felt when you said, I got to change and I got to change right now. If you suppress it, eventually you won't be able to feel it anymore. We'll become professional churchgoers with no glory. Come on, let's sit here until you let it out. Come on, this is this is God. Let it out. My God. Come on, let it out. Come on, come on. By which we cry out. Come on. There is something by which we can cry out in this atmosphere. Come on. By which we cry out. Come on. There's a spirit in this atmosphere by which we can cry. I call you out of your reason. I call you out of your worry. I call you out of all of your work and your focus on what must be done. And I call you back to a place where you can feel this thing. Come on, you will not be able to finish no work if you can't feel this thing huh, by which we cry. Come on, the, I, I, adoption is ready to happen in this house. Na 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 na
Homana yananda mande bababakans. Honana nanana mande de de bodi de de bandi de de bush. Nanana nanana manda manda babakandi anan. Nanana nanana mando babamande de de boshiana. Honana nanana manda dadabandi de de borebandi de de bush. Honana nanana mande de de bandi de de boshiana. Come on, God, we're open again, we're open again, we're open again. We're open again, we're open again, we're open again, God. Hallelujah. I'm reminding you of your first love. I'm recalling you back to your first love. Come on. You have so suppressed my provocation that you can no longer feel my provocation as you once did. The stirring just to now adore me is lacking. You want to pray, you want to intercede, you want to bind, you want to loose, but you don't want to adore. But I come today to release you into a by which you cry out, Abba. I want you to love on me like I'm your daddy. I want you to love on me because I'm your daddy. I'm calling you back to outward crying. Not for me to bless, not for me to, but Abba. The God that gives me his DNA. The, the God by which I walk in his nature. The God that adopts me by my adoration. Some of you can no longer feel the stimulation unto worship. Because you so suffocated through the fear of man. But God, today, right now, in this moment, says, I will resensitize your heart. Where your heart has gotten hard, I'll make it soft again. I will, I will not remember the times I visited you, but because of men, you would not express your love for me. Thank you. I'm giving you grace to give me more. Thank you. If you're here today and you find yourself not being influenced like you know God has called you to be by provocation, that stirring ain't there like it once was. My God, I'm scared when the stirring. Oh, uh, I don't even know how to approach that. 